0: Thank you, Ann. Well, as Taylor said, my name is Dan, and I'm one of the pastors here, Um, though he also said I haven't preached in a year, Um, so I've been wondering if I still work here. You probably have too, because we only work one day a week, and it's Sundays, so what have I been doing for the last year? But I have had one year to prepare this message. (laughs) But seriously, I started getting conscious, self-conscious because um, last time I preached, I, I made a joke that didn't go perfectly well. <laughs> you know, I said that giving someone a Bible was not a good idea. You know, just not a great joke. You know, um, I was kidding, and Norton um, wouldn't let me preach until now. So, <laughs> just kidding. Um, he knew. It. He knew it was a bad gift. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm glad to be back in the saddle, and I'll see you guys in a year from now. So, um, <laughs> hey. Crazy, uh, well, who in here by show of hands loves weather? Like you watch Nine News or um, Weather Channel. Yeah, majority of you, yeah, sweet. Um, My mom too, she, I don't, yeah, she's raising her hand way up. Uh, This week was crazy, right, as, as it relates to weather. Uh, uh, Tuesday, it was in the 60s, uh, we have in our backyard, like, uh, the, the shadows are kind of weird. So I was out there sweating in a t-shirt, breaking up ice that, you know, hadn't melted but was melting because it was so hot. And I come in, and I went downstairs. My office is downstairs, and I was working on this message. And I start getting all these text messages. And uh, it's from my mom, of course. Um, and she's saying that it's going to snow tomorrow. And my sister-in-law starts texting her and my brother down in Larkspur. And she's like, we have backup radiator, or uh, backup um, generator, thank you. We have radiant heat. We got propane and we got water. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> so I yell up to Britt. Britt, is it going to snow? And she's like, I don't know. like, right, So I Google it. And of course there's this cyclone bomb coming through, right? Just totally unexpected. This weather pattern just from out of nowhere comes and, you know, go from 60 degrees on, on Tuesday to 630 closings. Last I looked on Wednesday, pretty crazy um, change of weather. Uh, and I gotta uh, admit, it was kind of a perfect sermon illustration this week. And um, Stephen and I and Emily, when we were picking passages for this sermon series um, a couple months ago, I picked this sermon or this passage, and uh, I didn't do it flippantly. Like I went through and I, I read and I was thinking and praying, and uh, but it was just perfect God's timing that there's this perfect illustration from the unexpected storm happening this week, and uh, and and. It also uh, is perfect because as I was thinking and praying this week with this message, um, God really brought up in my own life a lot of unexpected storms that have happened. And, um, you know, there's probably many that I have faced, uh, but one of which um, I'll get into in a few minutes, but was my cousin passing away a couple years ago. Uh, Many of you guys know this, but my cousin Azure was, um, things were good. And, uh, you know, she was always a troubled soul and spirit, but she was a really great girl. And then um, suddenly one day, boom, I got this news from my dad that Azure had passed away. And everything was great. And then, boom, everything was like grief and, and crying and tears. And it was just weird. The National Weather, uh, Severe Weather Lab has this quote that I think is perfect, uh, and it's up on the screen. There's no place in the United States that's completely safe from the threat of severe weather. There's no place in the United States, and arguably, probably, uh, nowhere in the world that is safe. From the threat of severe weather, and we experienced that this week, right? Uh, we had a tree blow into our backyard. The tree and telephone pole fell over, exposition here, and shut down the street. And uh, so, there's just this threat of disaster or storms all around us. And and I and, and I want to take the leap from this to our own lives. And as I said, I've experienced some loss and some grief and some unexpected storms in my life but I, and I don't know where you guys are here today. Maybe some of you are in the midst of kind of an emotional or personal storm in your life, or maybe everything's great. Maybe you're facing the pink slip at work, or you're in a relationship that's difficult or hard, and you're just not sure which way is forward. Uh, when my cousin passed away, it was, it was, um, it was so hard because, as I mentioned, it was things were great and then things just were difficult in a matter of seconds. And um, it went from happy and, you know, things are good. I was texting with my cousin the day before she passed away. And, um, and then, like many of you have experienced, it just changes at the drop of a hat. And so it could be that extreme or it could just be something a little less difficult in your life. But where none of us are safe from the threat of an unexpected storm. I want to look at a passage of scripture today that many of you have probably read, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. I think we've all at least maybe heard this story. We just sang a little bit about this story. Uh, And and I want to pull from the story from Jesus's life, um, three life lessons from the eye of a storm. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter eight. We'll put the verses on the screen. uh, And I think it's page 722 or 822. I just looked and I forgot. So, um, 722 in the black Bibles in the seats in front of you. Um, a little bit of context or backdrop from this passage. Uh, Jesus had started his public ministry. So Jesus was, um, 30, before he kind of came onto the scene, 30 years old. And uh, from the age 30 to 33, he was doing public ministry. What does that mean? That means he was going out and he was preaching, he was teaching, he was um, uh, healing sick people. He was just doing his public ministry. And so right before we pick up on this passage, he had given this amazing message, this big sermon. And then he has these 12 followers called disciples. And he, he takes the 12 disciples and he says, let's get on a boat and let's sail across the sea. What Jesus probably knew because he was fully God, but he's fully human, so there's this weird dynamic, like did he know, did he not know? But we certainly know that the 12 disciples who were in the boat with him didn't know that there was a storm coming. There was no mom text messaging the disciples, right? There was no Al Roker or no weather alert or no you know, a app on your phone or whatever like that. So with that in mind, let's look at Luke chapter 8, verse 22 it's up on the screen. Uh, One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and set out. And as they sailed, he, meaning Jesus, fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. Now, Jesus decides to get into the boat and he tells his disciples, his 12 followers, uh, we're going to go to the other side of the lake. And what's interesting is that these uh, these disciples are probably about high school age or high school educated, and um, so... They're, and they're good Jewish men. Uh, and, and, and they know at the other side of the lake or the other side of Sea of Galilee is this area or this region called the Decapolis. And inside the Decapolis region, there are 10 Greek pagan Roman cities. So these, uh, a good Jewish man or woman, a good Jewish boy and girl, know that you don't go to that side of the lake because you'll become unholy, you'll become unclean. And so they're probably a little anxious getting onto the boat. Like, Jesus is telling us to go to like Sin City, right? Is that okay? So they're feeling some anxiety and then they get in the boat and Jesus is like, all right, peace out. I'm gonna go and take a nap. And then all of a sudden the waves and the wind begin to pick up. They, the text says it's a squall and I knew this would happen. Um, so, The squall picks up, we can imagine there's probably thunder and there's lightning and there's rain and the waves are picking up, so much so that it says the boat is getting swamped with water. And so the disciples, uh, who were, by the way, fishermen, and so they had no doubt been out on the Sea of Galilee before. Now, had they faced a storm of this magnitude, we're not sure But they start to kind of freak out, right? And one of them, they're probably pulling straws or throwing dice or something. Like, who's going to go wake up Jesus? Because let's be honest, no one wants to wake up anyone from a nap, right? Let alone Jesus. (laughs) That was not in my notes, by the way. Um, (laughs) So, uh, hard transition. I got to visit um, the Sea of Galilee. This is why I don't get to preach very often, guys. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I got to visit the Sea of Galilee um, 10 years ago. We got a picture. Um, so this, I took on, like, this was 10 years ago, so like a snap, you know, just a point and shoot. So not the greatest quality, but I think you can kind of pick up the beauty and the, um, the terrain of the land. Here's a picture of me and my friend Austin. All right, I'm the guy on the left. <laughs> so skinny. Uh, uh it's a beautiful region. Actually, let's go to the next picture. What's interesting about the Sea of Galilee is this is an awesome sign um, on a road next to where we took a picture. Um, this is sea level. So what you can't tell is that 700 feet below sea level is where the Sea of Galilee lies. And this area actually reminds me of where we work in um, Guatemala and Lake Atalán. There's mountains surrounding, and Guatemala is a little more um, the the terrain's a little rougher, steeper. But um, it, it reminds me of that area because. Because it's surrounded with mountains, there's um, weather or clouds or pressure on top of the mountains and it comes down and it goes 700 feet below sea level and it hits that cold water. And the combination of the, the cold uh, weather front and then the cold water creates these high pressure systems that can create um, unexpected storms. And so everything's fine. The disciples could attest to this. Probably when they get on the boat, everything's just fine in their life. And then they're out there and boom, this squall comes out of nowhere, and the disciples are freaking out. But here's the first lesson that I think we can take from the, uh, from the eye of a storm, is that storms come even when Jesus is in the boat. You see, uh, when we go through unexpected storms in our life, what's one of the first questions that we often ask? God, where are you? Have you left me? Have you forsaken me? Why did this happen? What caused this? What did I do or what did they do? What sin was back in the day that is causing this to happen to me? And the thing that we need to know is that storms are gonna happen in our life. But the truth that we also need to know is that Jesus is in the boat with us and he hasn't abandoned us. He might just be taking a nap. And there's this old lie that is kind of permeated into the church and into our minds as as followers of Jesus is that because I'm going through this storm, Jesus must have left me or forgotten about me. This was part of my story and journey after my cousin Azure passed away. You see, uh, I, growing up, my brother and I grew up with Azure and her older sister, Katie our cousins, and uh, they moved away to the Western Slope. And just kind of naturally, as we got a little older, um, we kind of our, went our separate ways. But then um, Katie got engaged to a guy here, and um, they asked me to officiate their wedding. And so it was really cool. I started to get to hang out with Katie a little more. And uh, as a result, started getting to hang out with Azrae a little more. And I saw her at the wedding. And um, shortly after the wedding, we started texting a lot more. And it was really cool. As I mentioned, Azrae was kind of always this troubled spirit or this kind of Hurt soul and spirit. You know, her mom, my aunt, passed away when she was really young, suddenly in a motorcycle accident. And um, Azure, that week before she, she passed away, was texting me and she was asking about church and she was asking about God. And this was foreign to her and a little foreign to our relationship that she would be asking me about God. Um, but I started asking, like, hey, you should come to church. You should come to our church. I think it would be incredible. And uh, I invited her to come because I wasn't preaching that weekend, so I thought it was a good weekend to invite her. Um, <laughs> uh, and and I, she was like, well, maybe. And I said, well, I don't care where you go to church. Just go to a church this Sunday, you know? Like, I know that you need Jesus to help you in your life. I go to bed Friday night, and I wake up early Sunday or uh, Saturday morning to Brit, my wife, um, shaking me like, Dan, Dan, Dan we have all these missed calls from your dad and text messages. Azure took her own life last night. And in that moment, I mean, the first there's the shock of like, what? Okay, let me, let me kind of wake up and reorient. And um, there's all this guilt of like, well, I was texting her, should I have called her? Should I have gone and seen her? Like, so there's all this guilt, but then there's this, just grief, you know? And so I told Britt, kind of we dealt with the immediate Issues and then I was like, "Hey, uh, I just need to go to the to the gym. You know, I'm going to shoot some hoops or whatever." And so um, I was in a bad spot. I was in this spot of like, "God, where where are you? Why did you leave? Like, you saw the text. Do you not read my text messages? Like, I know you do, <laughs> right?" And so I put worship music in because often like when I'm in a bad spot or I'm not believing what I think I believe in my core, I I just listen to worship music and sometimes I sing those songs, even if I don't believe them, just to help my heart believe. And I'm shooting hoops and and I'm just in a bad spot. And uh, I ended up, I just sat down at half court and I started crying. Like, God, what in the world? And um, in that moment, I was reminded of this truth. I didn't have these words, but that God was in the boat with me. And it was kind of awkward because I was in the middle of a basketball court (laughs) crying. (laughs) But I was by myself, so it's all right. When we find ourselves in the midst of a storm, we often wonder where God's at. Or we might even wonder, like, is God punishing us? And just like the song that we just sang, God does not punish us. He is a good, good father. Let's go back to the text, verse 24. It says this, the disciples went and woke him, Jesus, um, saying, master, master, we're going to drown. Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. And in fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? This man, he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him these disciples. They're getting closer to the other side, and the winds and the waves are picking up. The squall is here. And as I said, they're probably drawing straws, and, uh, and, and someone has to go wake Jesus up. And, um, you know, they shake him, and, and, and he's probably kind of waking up from a nap. But let's give um, props to Jesus. Like, he's sleeping through this squall, right? He's sleeping through the thunder and the lightning. He's like the grandpa that can just pass out on the couch with the kids screaming around him and watching TV and things like that. And so, They wake him up and Jesus is, you know, I imagine like putting his robe back on, but he has one of those shirts on that says, but first coffee, you know, so he's like, hold on, I need some coffee. (laughs) Uh, Just kidding. But uh, Jesus walks up to the boat or to the front of the boat. He sticks out his hands and he just obeys the storm, the squall, and it subsides. It just stops. And the disciples are like, dude, we knew this guy was special, but the storm, the storm, pays attention to him. The storm stops. And Jesus, maybe, you know, after he gets his cup of coffee and he's wiping the the gunk out of his eyes, he, he looks at the disciples and he says, where's your faith? Where's your faith? You see, when you and I, when we find ourselves in the midst of a storm, I think it's one of the biggest litmus tests or one of the biggest times of our life where our true trust and dependency in life are shown when we feel ourselves pushed to the edge at the end of the rope or wherever we are, when the unexpected storm shows up in our life, where do we go? Who do we turn to? Who do you put your trust in? Because where we go, who we lean into, is a true dictation of where our faith lies, which leads us to life lesson number two. When the storm comes, turn To Jesus. You see, I can't stress this part enough. And I don't mean like in a pippy, like put it up on the wall, unless that helps for you, that's wonderful. But like, I actually mean that when the storm comes in life, whether it's a huge storm or maybe it's just a little small storm that you kind of feel weird about feeling so guilty about or feel uh, so upset about, we need to turn to Jesus. And this, I think, is freeing because we recognize in that moment when we turn to Jesus in the midst of a storm that we're not God. We're not in control. We try so hard in our lives, and I'm guilty of this, to be in control, but we're actually not in charge and we're not in control of the storm. We don't control the magnitude of the storm. We don't control the timing of the storm. That's why it's unpredictable. The only thing that we can control is our response, which I hope is to turn to Jesus. And for us, we together have to recognize that. Whether you're a parent or a grandparent, you're a student, you're single, you're married, wherever you are in life, we have to recognize that storms will come, whether you've experienced them or not, and we will be tested in life. And everything in us wants to blame others, wants to blame God, wants to wonder where God is at, But the deal is, just like the disciples, we need to turn to Jesus. When you're facing the unexpected storm in life, who do you turn to? If you're in the midst of a storm right now, where do you run to? Is it to God? Is it to his word? Is it to the community of faith here at New Denver? Or is it to something else? I think Jesus, if he were here today, would be whispering to many of us, where's your is the thing that you depend on more than anything in the midst of a storm? Is it my father? Is it the spirit? Is it me? Or is it something entirely different? For the last life lesson from the eye of a storm, I want to look at a picture together. It's a picture of a harbor. The truth is um, we love harbors in our life. Look how pretty that is. We can walk around the harbor, we can uh, walk and see all the pretty boats and the pretty scenery, the pretty people. We can just walk around and everything seems great inside the harbor. We can feel like we're out on the water because we are, but we don't actually have to deal with the storms. We love the safety and the power of a harbor. We have apps that can track our kids' heartbeat and breath uh, rate throughout the night. We have apps that keep our homes secure. We have laws, good or bad, I'm not sure, where we can carry guns into public buildings so that if we ever feel unsafe or unsecure, we're armed. See, we love harbors because we feel like we're safe and in control. But as the great author once said, we are not made for harbors, we are made for the open seas. You see, when we choose to leave the harbor in life, we will no doubt face storms. And when you see that obstacle, when you see and when you experience the, the difficulties of life coming to fruition, everything in us wants to turn back and go to the harbor where it's safe, where we're in control, where everything's nice and tidy. Or we try to go around the storm. Who's done that in life? And it, trust me, is never a good thing to go around the storm in life. And any sea, you know, ship captain would tell you it's not a good idea to try to go around a storm. You're going to run out of fuel or you're going to run out of supplies. You're never going to fully get around the storm and get to your destination. And this is the third lesson from the eye of a storm is that we need to set sail, It might be dangerous, and you might be scared, but we're not meant to live in fear. Set sail. You might face storms, but Jesus will be in the boat with you. And the disciples, had they known that the storm was going to happen in the onset, would they have gotten into the boat and gone across the sea? I'm not sure, but I hope so, because they get to the other side of the sea, and you can read this portion a little bit later when you're home, whatever, but Jesus gets to the other side of the sea, and they run into this man, and this man is naked. He doesn't have clothes on and he's cut. He has wounds all over his body and he's just an outcast. And if that's not bad enough, he's chained to a tombstone. All right. So kind of weird. And it gets weirder because Jesus meets this guy and, and, and there's demons inside of this man, it says, and uh, they recognize Jesus and Jesus casts these demons out. So we're getting really weird now. And, and the, the demons go into 2000 pigs and they run off a cliff into the sea. Weird, Right. But if you keep reading the scripture, these men, these disciples push through the storm and this man is completely healed. We come back and Jesus is talking with this man. He's fully uh, healthy. He's clothed. And it says that he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then Jesus gets back in the boat and the disciples get back in the boat and they go back to their side of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus keeps doing incredible, incredible things. Right away, he raises a dead girl from from being dead. He heals a woman. He starts preaching these sermons and these disciples are probably freaking out because he's done some crazy stuff just in the span of like a day or two, right? And he's healing people and and raising people from the dead and they probably wanna stay near him in the harbor Because it's safe. But in a couple passages, a couple verses later, Jesus takes his 12 and he says, I want you to go out. And I want you to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God is near. And I want you, without me, to heal people, to raise people from the dead. And oh, by the way, I want you to take nothing with you. Just go. You see, Jesus knew that we had this propensity to be safe and to want to stay in the harbor. And the disciples were that way too. But we've got to leave the harbor behind and face the possibility of unexpected storms. There's no way to avoid them. Maybe some of us in here today are dealing with an addiction. <clears throat> and you've wanted to deal with it. You've wanted to own it. But you're just not ready to face the storm because you know it's going to be difficult. And you want to go back to what's familiar. Maybe it's the bottle or maybe it's the pills or whatever it is. We're afraid of facing the storm, but I promise you, and I speak from a place of, of personal experience. In fact, uh, as I was practicing this message this week, I realized that I will celebrate 10 years of sobriety this week. And that, well, yeah, yeah. That, that, I promise you, <laughs> was not easy, but it also is God's grace completely. Maybe for some of you, your marriage is stuck and it's facing a difficult season. It's in the midst of a storm and it's chaos and there's lightning and there's thunder and you're blaming him and she's blaming you and I don't know if I got that right, but anyway, like they're bl- everyone's blaming each other. No one wants to take responsibility. But my encouragement is that we would all not stay in the safe, unhealthy patterns of life, but that we would push in trusting Jesus into the storm. Or maybe God's encouraged you, you feel like, to find a new job or to find a relationship, a different relationship, but you just keep hanging in there because you make good money. Or he or she, you know, they're good people, right? They're nice and he's kind of hot, you know? So let's stay in it. I don't know what it is for you, but I encourage you to consider setting sail, leaving the harbor. I think some of us are missing out because we're too afraid to leave the harbor. And let me just say, when you refuse to leave, you miss out, you miss out. And when you miss out, your family is missing out. And when you miss out, our church, New Denver Church, misses out. And when you miss out, the city of Denver misses out. And when you miss out, the worst of it is that the kingdom of God loses. You see, I think if Jesus were here today, he'd be whispering, where's your faith? Let's set sail. And remember, my friends, that we were not meant for the harbor, but we were meant for the open seas. Let's pray. Jesus, um, thank you for this uh, story. Thank you for um, these truths that um, may not seem true at times, Um, that that you are there in the boat with us always, um, that we can turn and trust you and that you will uh, get through the storm with us. And also, God, I admit it's hard to set sail. It's hard to leave that safety in that harbor. But God, we know that you are a good God and you are able to help us get through that storm. And that when we get through it on the other side, there is fruit, there is uh, miracles, there are things that will happen but first we have to set sail. God, we love you, and we pray these things in Christ's name, amen.